So, are we gonna talk about it? No? I mean, it's right there. Just waiting. Menacing. Looming. I mean, you all see it, right? Oh, oh, you do. You just don't care. Well, I know it seems harmless now, but it can most definitely kill us all. And you know that. Isn't that worth a little bit of concern? Welcome back to Cursed Knowledge. I'm Harper Hunt. And I'm Ben Hunt. And we made it through Halloween. Again. Every year, I'm just so happy. <laughs> Actually, I'm... We don't I, even go trick-or-treating anymore, Harper. I, no, and no one comes trick-or-treating at our That's house true. either. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a third of a mile long driveway, so we're If bliss. anyone came came to our house for trick-or-treating, yeah. we'd just give them cash. Just like, you know what, you did, you did such a good job. <laughs> you would. I'm not giving anybody cash. What are you talking about? <laughs> All right, maybe I'm in the spirit of the holiday a oh, little more. Oh, man, yeah, the spirit of Halloween. Gracious. Well, something that I think of every year around Halloween is like 2010, 2011, when Halloween for us at least was canceled for two years because we had first a freak blizzard and then Hurricane Sandy that just made it very unwise to be walking around at night. I remember. I remember going out when it was really cold one year. Anyway, a couple of years. Yes, I remember that. Being from Alabama and Texas, we don't cotton to these uh really yeah. cold snowy you, you get the, the fun experience of wanting to go on your princess costume and then your parents make you put on two layers of underclothes oh, and a we jacket make you 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 know how you react ruined, to these sort of situations ruined my costume oh my god anyways it's unfortunately i've always kind of had this association of halloween with storms mm-hmm. and then when moving to los angeles it kind of changed into other natural disasters because we also in so Los halloween Angeles, makes you think of natural disasters Halloween makes me think of natural disasters oh, okay. to be quite honest all right, all right fair enough listen i have my weird associations no, you have no. your weird associations no, we're all good we're, all, good we're all weird here it's fine everybody it's yes, fine right. yeah well part of, part of the way it kind of evolved was that when you got to los angeles first off suddenly everyone could wear their costumes the way god intended this is true and also, that I've was, seen your sister's costumes for this last Halloween, and yes, that they are—they're cute. Yeah, they're cute. They're cute. But not only can you kind—that of, was one of the big differences that I noticed when I first got there was you can wear Halloween costumes, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. And also, no one seems to care that the Earth is doing the hokey pokey all the time. <laughs> you know, I grew up in Connecticut, where we have rain, we have snowstorms, and that's yeah. fine. But I remember being so freaked out when there was. An earthquake one Halloween. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, did you guys feel that? Is everybody okay? I'm like, yeah, we're fine. Anyways, I think we're going to go over here next. Yeah. And I realized that the people who grew up there have a completely different perception of I've only felt an earthquake normal. once, and it was actually here in Connecticut. I don't even know where it started. But it was remarkably unsettling, just where everything was... I didn't even know that's what it was until later I found out that's what it was. Mm -hmm. And it's remarkably unsettling. It's it's very weird. And but then, you know, after four years living there, 
I was also sleeping through earthquakes mm-hmm. and not noticing that they happened. They became just sort of a fact of life and not this potentially world-ending cataclysmic disaster. Okay, so this Halloween, this prompted you to think about cataclysmic world ending disasters in particular yes so we'll start off with earthquakes a little bit as i like to describe them when the ground does the hokey pokey Mm -hmm. and decides to move itself all around in places it should not be that one to me has always been something that i guess i've started to also treat it a little bit as a joke more than it should be Mm -hmm. because living in Mm -hmm. los angeles you're always waiting for the big one the big one because everyone knows that Los Angeles is very close to the San Andreas Fault, which is the fault line between tectonic plates that runs pretty much right through California, where we all know that one day those plates will shift just enough. And if they shift just enough, then everything to the west, which includes San Diego, Los Angeles, pretty much all of Western California, is going to just separate yeah, from the rest of the states. Yeah. There are a couple of fault lines. I actually looked into this a little bit. I mean, the the different fault lines mm-hmm. in California. It's it's fascinating to say. It doesn't take a lot of movement to... It is built on toothpicks. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. We all know that it's going to one day just collapse into the sea. Mm. But no one really cares. No one really thinks about that. If we think about it at mm. all, it was more of a, God, please let it happen before this next final. So Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. You say so. All right. Anyways, thankfully, uh, I did some of my own research, and it would take uh, an earthquake that would have to reach at least a 7.8 on the Richter scale in order to really get that effect that you need. And so those who don't know, the Richter scale is kind of what we use to, I would say, discern the severity of an earthquake or how large it was. And so it goes from 0 to 10, with a 2.3 being the Taylor Swift Ares concert in Seattle. Is that right? It registered on the Richter scale as a 2.3 well, earthquake. Well, now the Richter scale, logarithmic scale, mm-hmm. right? So a 7 on the Richter scale is 10 times more powerful than a 6. Yes, that's a very good point. And I think that that's something that often gets helps with the misinformation about earthquakes because you think, oh, well, it's just a 6. Well, a 6 is pretty fucking bad. Yeah. Especially when you consider that so far the highest rated earthquake on the Richter scale was in, I believe, 1960 in Chile. It was a 9.5. Wow. The 2011 earthquake in Japan, Mm -hmm. that was a 9 on the Richter scale. Goodness. So these are world shattering. Do you know offhand what the San Francisco of the, the great San Francisco earthquake was? I don't. I don't. I think that was in the sevens. I think it was probably about in the sevens because it's kind of like with we use the category system for hurricanes, where once it starts to get to about a three, that's when people start to get On more concerned yeah. for hurricanes. For the Richter scale, once things start to get to six and seven, that's when we start to see larger effects. Right. Again, but two point three is a popular I, I do concert. think that point about the the logarithmic scale is mm-hmm. so important here, right? That it's you know a a 7.2 is twice as powerful as a 7.0. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point to make. I'm glad that you brought that up. But speaking a little bit about what happened in Japan and kind of a side effect that tends to come along with a lot of earthquakes are another big natural disaster, tsunamis. Mm-hmm. You know, giant wave basically comes in and terrorizes the local population. I remember 
the the things you're taught again living in Connecticut where tsunamis are about as likely to be encountered as quicksand are that if you see the water start to recede and it keeps going back oh yeah you need to get out of there I've, I've read about this stuff too Harper we've all done our disaster planning we've all done our disaster planning you know again for all the good it's going to do us no, oh, but now we're going to get to this because obviously our planning does a lot of good because we all have. St- anyway, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll come get to, to that. that. But the thing that can happen with earthquakes are my again least favorite is also my personal favorite is that it tends to set off a lot of volcanoes mm-hmm. because volcanoes tend to erupt or come up along the tectonic plates. So volcano eruptions tend to have a chain reaction with earthquakes. Yep, makes sense. And volcanoes have always fascinated me by just how widespread that destruction goes. An earthquake's destruction is pretty limited to like along the fault line. Tsunamis really hit kind of like the place they originally land. But volcanoes with the amount of ash that they spew into the air, global impact. Global impact. The what was it? The 1815 eruption in Indonesia created what was known as the year without summer. Oh, yeah. The Krakatoa. That was Krakatoa, right? Krakatoa? Mm-hmm. I, one of those two, because Indonesia basically just has a million volcanoes yeah, ready re- to million, destroy the world really, at any really time. Big, really big volcanoes, yeah. But they created a worldwide famine that just decimated the population of North America. So if you can imagine, a volcano explodes in Indonesia. Yeah. People hear the explosion in Australia. And the effects of that are still felt all the way over in North America. Crazy. Just the global impact of some of these disasters is insane. Well, I've been struck by just, you know, we had Mount St. Helens right here in North America. Mm -hmm. But then, and I'm sure you've done some research on this for this this pod, but I keep hearing about Yellowstone and the caldera there and all like that. What, What is that all about? So the good news is that Yellowstone hasn't erupted for... 70,000 years. That is good news. And they're pretty sure it's not going to erupt this century. That's excellent news. But the bad news is that one of the last times that Yellowstone erupted, basically within 10 months of getting fresh magma, mm-hmm. it erupted. Mm. So once Yellowstone starts getting active, there could potentially be a very short turnaround between getting warmed up and the main total annihilation. Well, what does that mean? Basically, it just means that it's going to be a very, very large explosion that is going to coat, I believe the estimates are about 12% of North America in ash, which given <laughs> okay. given Yellowstone's oh, location is going to be a lot of farmland, uh, a lot of livestock. Hmm. And again, volcanoes are also interesting because they exist not on a human time scale. When we say, oh, Yellowstone hasn't erupted for 70,000 years, that's longer than human history. Just about. That sounds impossibly long. That's definitely longer than human history. It seems like forever ago. It feels like this should be like an inactive, extinct volcano. Right. It's not. It is very much still alive. And it can very much still blow up at any time. Well, you know what else sets off volcanoes? What? And... Tsunamis, asteroids. Oh, God. I know the dinosaurs would love to tell us about that a bit more, I'm sure. Yeah, no, no, that that's my personal, you know, disaster scenario. Because Is an asteroid would, hitting the Earth? 
Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, large enough to, I mean, look, I, I'm a creature of disaster movies, right? Which is why I think about them all the time. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it can be, you know, zombie disaster movies. We can talk about The Last of Us, right? It could be Cordyceps as our disaster. But I'm a, I think a lot about, you know, mm-hmm. the tsunami that hits the Connecticut coast because we get a big asteroid or something hitting the Atlantic Ocean. Something hits the, the Canary Islands, the volcano goes. Yeah, all that, all, all that. And I've, I've spent a crazy amount of time in my life thinking about this stuff. And I, I don't think I'm alone in this because these movies are incredibly popular. It's not just the stories of history. And we've got, I mean... I mean, yeah, obviously, like stories and thoughts about this predate the film industry. I mean, people have been well, obsessed. Predates, I, mean, I mean, this is Atlantis, right? Is the story of a long-lost yeah. civilization from Which some a disaster. lot of people believe was actually the civilization or an island just off of Crete, that then when that volcano blew up, right. destroyed heard of that. the whole island, and, you know, water came flooding in, lost cities sank beneath the waves. Yep, yep. And we've got real examples Pompeii. of like Pompeii, right? I mean, so... We have these old stories, but I'm fascinated by the popularity of these apocalyptic mm-hmm. disaster movies and books. And I, I'm, I'm crazy for this stuff. I mean, I mean, if ever there, whenever there's a, I can name so many of them. These movies because if they come on late night TV, I'm a sucker for them. I love watching them, and I'm trying to figure out why that is. I think I, I totally agree with you. And I've also been on that end of just being fascinated with Armageddon movies. Right. Literally Armageddon with, what was it, Bruce Willis? I think, yeah. I think that was the one where they're like, yes, it is going to be easier to train the oil drillers to become astronauts than the astronauts to drill a hole in an asteroid. Well, sure. That made perfect sense to me. Makes total sense. Total but sense to everyone. I, I, I mean, I'm a sucker for all of these. And, and, and it's weird how they come in no pun intended, waves. I mean, we had like three asteroid movies with giant, you know, tsunamis. There was, was Sudden Impact, wasn't that it? Sudden that was Impact I, one. I'm trying to, th- and I'm trying to think of these these others, but there was that, that awful movie, 2012, you remember that? When, mm-hmm. you know, it was the Mayan calendar was, you know, predicting that yes. all the stuff was happening and the secret ships that were built up in the Himalayas to oh everything there's I, a million I of, love this stuff there's the a movie, polar vortex movies there were like two oh of those oh my gosh all at the I remember uh, there's like almost any Gerard Butler film but like San Andreas literally you know it's a man and his family trying to survive but that's Los it. Angeles falling it's into the ocean it's always a man and his family trying to survive uh, there was a movie Greenland where they were fleeing to Greenland to anyway I'm a sucker for all of these mm-hmm. but. I know why I'm a sucker for them, because I'm always trying to, I can place myself. You want to be the man and his family trying to survive. Yes, I do. I do. I I mean, and I felt this way since I was a kid. I remember this book called uh, Lucifer's Hammer. Mm -hmm. And it was. I think you've referenced this before. I have. I've written a note about this. And it's it's the way I think this is so popular, especially, I mean, apparently you, you, you are, you know, prone to think about these things as well. I was going to say it's mostly, you know, younger men, but but maybe not, right? I think about these disaster scenarios too. all the time. 
I think about how do I defend my home from the post-apocalyptic biker gang? That's the one I think about probably the most. You think about biker gangs. I think about my zombie apocalypse plan. And then I realize how woefully underprepared I am for any actual usable skills in the event of a zombie apocalypse and collapse of society. And I realize I'd probably just be better off being a zombie. Yes, because you were the person. I mean, to go back to where we started Mm -hmm. this, you know, you were here sitting here nicely, you know, complaining about putting on a big coat over your princess costume. but Tragedy. But Harper, <laughs> you in a princess costume when it's cold out and a little rainy out, that doesn't really go together. That doesn't. No, exactly. It's I'm somebody who thinks, that like, yeah, I could absolutely take it. I could survive. No problem. But anybody who knows me knows that when it rains, I turn into, like, little kitten emoji, just sad and crying in the corner. But we're all this way, Harper, because, I mean, I, I think of myself... I'm so nearsighted, you know, I don't, I'm not fast at all. I mean, my vertical leap is like three inches. And I think, you know, if I lived back in, you know, caveman day, I mean, I wouldn't have lasted like an, an hour in an, in, a, in an ice age, right? But I fantasize about the man defending his family in the face of a natural disaster. Because it is such a powerful, not a trope, I mean, it is a story arc mm-hmm. that is just enormously powerful to me and I think to a lot of people. No, I fully agree with it. You've had, I mean, you just look at the, like we said, the number of disaster films that you see. It, there is always this sense of triumph. Right. That's kind of what we right. want to see is we don't want to see these disasters destroying which we do you know we all like a little bit of the spectacle but more than that we like to see this story of triumph of rebuilding but but this is the danger right because these disasters actually do happen Mm -hmm. and i suspect we're going to see more disasters both man-made and natural Mm -hmm. in the you know the years just ahead of us But we have them romanticized as a story arc, one of triumph over the elements to the happy ending, like Mm -hmm. you described. And that ain't reality. So I think it really does impact both our, I'll call it preparation, but even more so our ability to wrestle with the, the actual human impact of a natural disaster which is not getting in your top secret boat in the Himalaya Mountains and sailing off to, you know, Shangri-La. Absolutely. I don't get, if I were actually in Pompeii, I wouldn't get Kit Harington swooping in to save me at the last minute. No. As much as I would love that. (laughs) Fair Fair enough. I think that there's also a sense when we look at these disasters, because there's a sense of, oh, that happened so long ago or so far away or never happened it's in the science fiction book i'm reading right there's this idea that these things you know it, it could never happen it won't happen or almost the sense of like well that's not a problem i'll have to deal with right right and maybe it's not maybe it's not a problem that you'll ever have to deal with it might be a problem i have to deal with this is this is the paper i wrote about lucifer's hammer is that i think that we've built this safe society where it's safe for us to pretend at being a hero and 
dealing with a, a, a disaster, and we end up LARPing, live action role play. I think that is what happens when, as a society, we don't actually have to deal with disasters, human-made and man-made, the mm -hmm. way that people before us often did. And so I, I, I really do think it's going to come back and be problematic mm -hmm. when we do have to deal with the real disasters that come down the pike. And that's why I wanted to talk about this so close to Halloween, because <laughs> the real fear is a looming threat that you can do nothing to stop. That is what's scary. It's not that witches or goblins. It's this idea that something catastrophic is going to happen. You don't know where and you don't know when, but it is going to happen. Well, that is the curse knowledge. So now I'm going to have bad dreams tonight. But You're I welcome. Will... Thank you, Harper. Thanks for listening. I hope you learned something new. And remember, the real curse is sharing this information with your friends, family, and unsuspecting coworkers. If you enjoyed this production, like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And please, tell us your most cursed knowledge by joining us on the forums at EpsilonTheory.com.